Hello and welcome to Holistic Health Chats, a podcast where we chat about all things holistic women's health and everything in between. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, a women's health nutritionist with a focus on helping women to heal holistically and live pain and symptom-free. I'm so happy that you've made your way here. Tune in every week so we can listen, learn, and be inspired together. If you are currently wanting to get personalized advice to support you with your nutrition and hormones, the best place to start is for you to book in a complimentary consultation. In this 15-minute consultation, we will discuss your current health goals, what you can expect from consultations, and we cover any questions that you may have. If you're happy to go ahead, we book in a time for your initial consultation, but equally, if you need a little time to think about it, that is perfectly okay too. To book in a complimentary consultation, simply head over to selendouglas.com forward slash links and navigate to the book section. Alternatively, you will also find the booking link in the show notes on this episode. We hope to meet you very soon. In today's episode of the podcast, we are covering all things metformin, why I'm not the biggest fan of it, but also don't mind if you're taking it, um, and what I recommend instead. So we're going to get all into this in the episode, but metformin is a drug really commonly used in the standard prescription in PCOS, uh, and it's fairly well known that it comes with some sort of inconvenient symptoms like loose bowel movements, nausea, and fatigue, um, and I think a lot of people think this is a really small price to pay, um, especially when you're at that point where you're really desperate for weight loss and controlling the hangries, um, but what I want you to know and, and what you're going to sort of come to understand in today's episode is that metformin does actually come with some potential side effects that are a lot more serious than just a bit of loose bowel movements. Um, And this increases the longer you use it and the higher the dose that you take. And no one seems to be talking about these. So um, I'm sharing it in today's episode. And I really want you to understand that using metformin, especially is uh, as a standalone intervention for PCOS, is, is actually really doing you a disservice, um, not just due to the side effects, but also due to the fact that it completely ignores the effects of not changing your diet and lifestyle to actually reduce your insulin um, and the potential long-term consequences of approaching it like that. So we're going to delve all into that in today. Today's episode um, and what I actually recommend instead to reduce your insulin. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I haven't done a solo episode in it feels like such a long time due to a myriad of different reasons. Um, there's a lot of changes happening within the business, which you'll probably see rolling out over the next couple of months, which is really exciting, but it also sort of means when you're in this weird um, kind of limbo interim phase, uh, it can be a little bit hard to uh, do that marketing consistently when you are on the precipice of things changing and and you're sort of um, in the middle of things and waiting through that. But you should see that sort of rolling out over the next few weeks or few months that there are some shifts and changes happening um, within the business, which I'm really, really excited for. Um, it's been something that I've been um, 
doing and trying to implement for a long time. So it's exciting that we're finally doing it, but I won't say too much about that. You'll obviously see a lot as it um, as it comes to fruition over the next few months. Um, the other reason, of course, is that I am a new mum and our beautiful baby uh, is not sleeping at the moment. <laughs> We've gone from being blessed enough to have one or two wakes a night to having what feels like a zillion. I think he's waking up every sleep cycle, which is about every 40 or 45 minutes. So sometimes I've been waking up, especially the last few weeks. And when you first wake up in the morning, it feels a little bit like your face is on backwards and your eyeballs are actually at your chin instead of where they should be. Um, And that's also part of the reason that I haven't been recording as much content because I've been um, showing up and being in clinic and being very busy there um, and not really sharing as much or not getting as much of that other kind of stuff done that really does need to be done within the business. But obviously, client-facing work is much more of a um, a must than a lot of that marketing um, kind of information that we're putting out there on a regular basis. But um, I know I've said this before, I am doing my best to be as consistent as possible with it, but also at the same time, really putting my own health and mental health and family first as well. So that's obviously always going to be my priority um, and my clients as well. So that's, yeah, big part of the reason why I've been a little bit MIA, but I do have a bit of a bank of episodes now um, and I am recording some new content at the moment, really all centered around PCOS. So um, today we're talking about metformin, as you would know from the title of the episode. And, you know, I do take, I suppose, a bit of what might seem like a black and white stand against metformin, but it's really not always that simple. As health practitioners, we totally understand um, where metformin or any other medications um, might be used or where our clients might benefit from that. So even though I do I guess, have my own opinions and even biases towards something like metformin. Um, I am also very much open to when and where it might be beneficial for clients to be using it Um, and also very open. You know, I do have clients who use um, medication and using that for a short period of time might be their preference to help them get results or give them that peace of mind that things are moving in the right direction. And I'm totally open to that as well. So I never want to make it seem like you have to choose um, a completely air quotes natural approach or a completely kind of conventional or medication-based approach um, to any of your health concerns. It's really for me, not about that, but really combining the best of both worlds, but equally understanding that there are risks and side effects as well, which is you know a big part of what we're going to be going through today. And I think what I would love to see happen is perhaps a bit more transparency around that because I don't really think that a lot of the time that is happening, and that's a you know a variety of different reasons as to why we're in that place at the moment. But um, yeah, I think we need some more awareness around that um, as well. So. Basically, a bit of a kind of overview of what we're going to be going through today is 
um, why and when metformin is used um, in PCOS, some of the side effects, um, and really also, I guess, the problems that I see with relying on it as a standalone um, intervention and what I would be doing and do-do with my one-to-one clients um, instead. So we're going to go through that. Um, So we'll dive right in. Um, PCOS uh, is a hormonal condition um, and it's characterized by a few different factors. So there is a genetic component um, and we also see that there are some different, you know, root causes, if you want to call it that. Um, One of the most common is insulin resistance, which is essentially uh, a condition in which your metabolism is not working properly. So insulin resistance is basically pre-diabetes and that can go on for a number of years before type 2 diabetes will develop and it may or may not depending on kind of the severity and how long it's going on for and whether or not things are changing. So when insulin resistance is present, Um, this will actually further drive up the androgen production in the ovaries. Um, And we do know that, you know, with PCOS, there is that genetic component because not everyone with insulin resistance will go on to develop um, PCOS. So um, when I'm working with a client who has PCOS, one of the first things I'm seeking to find out is what are those potential drivers and is insulin elevated or not because that will really guide those next steps. Now, where metformin comes in is that um, conventionally, I really think that insulin resistance is kind of the the only driver or cause of PCOS, if you want to call it that, that is conventionally recognized. And so when you are um, deemed to meet the Rotterdam criteria, which is the criteria used for diagnosing PCOS, Um, you tick that box. And so I think the first problem is that there's a big assumption being made about women with PCOS that's saying all women with PCOS have insulin resistance, which I can 100% tell you is not the case. I have a lot of clients who have PCOS and not all of them are insulin resistant. Um, I also have clients who meet the Rotterdam criteria that do not have PCOS and have received incorrect diagnoses where they have also been offered metformin where it is completely inappropriate for them. So there's some of the key issues I have around it kind of being used across the board. And I think this is where we need to really have an understanding that not everyone with PCOS or not every case of PCOS is going to be the same. Um, So why it's used is because there is a big assumption being made that if you have PCOS, you have insulin resistance. So that is why metformin is used. Um, And metformin is a drug that is used to treat um, type 2 diabetes or manage, I should say, and manage insulin resistance. So it helps to bring that insulin down. And that is essentially how it's used and why it is used. So some of the side effects, you know, a lot of clients will talk about having loose bowel movements, feeling tired. Um, a lot of that digestive irritation is um, a very common side effect of metformin. They will also often say that they feel nauseous. Now, for some people, they will say it 
lasts just a couple of weeks and then they felt fine and their body sort of, you know, air quotes adapted to it and they felt okay taking it. Um, for others, they will say, no, they had that those sorts of symptoms consistently, especially that sort of um, loose bowel movements are quite, quite common. So they're really commonly talked about those side effects or symptoms. And I think for a lot of people, if they are, say, losing weight and um, losing weight and it's addressing their PCOS, they might be thinking, well, you might be thinking, you know, well, what's a little bit of loose bowel movements really if it's helping me to lose weight and um, and essentially helping with my PCOS? Like I've had clients who do have that kind of um, thinking behind it that, you know, that's sort of a symptom that they're happy to just kind of deal with if it means that it's helping with all these other things, which I totally understand the logic and sort of thinking behind that. Um, but there are a few other side effects um, that I think are a bit more serious that aren't discussed enough um, and that do explain some of the symptoms that um, I have just talked about. So we'll go through those. Um, so, and, and this isn't to say that you're wrong if you're using metformin or you shouldn't be or anything like that. It's really more just having this really open discussion around saying, hey, did you know that you know, metformin can lead to these other things, you need to be aware of it, especially if you are planning on taking it for a longer period of time. So um, one of the big things that happens with metformin is it does leave you much more open and susceptible to developing B12 deficiency. That's really important if you have been prescribed metformin and it's kind of been like an open-ended prescription as in, you know, you've been prescribed it and it's like set and forget, you're going to take it for a long period of time and there's been no other kind of advice around how long for, whether there's any dietary changes you need to make, all that kind of thing. So um, B12 is important for so many different things in our body, but it has a really big weighted importance on long-term brain health um, because it helps to form the myelin sheaths around the neurons in our brain. And degradation of those um, as a result of something like long-term B12 deficiency is linked to quite serious um, health consequences, even things possibly like Alzheimer's. So um, this is really, really important. And I think that's where we go. Okay. Well, if you've been prescribed something like metformin long-term, have you also been recommended to have your B12 checked every three to six months, hopefully. Um, but I'm not really seeing that being done. And so I think this is a really, really important thing to flag and bring up. Um, and we'll also go through, you know, some of those other things that we can be doing other than metformin, because there are other options available, arguably better, um, and without side effects. So that's one of the potentially negative um, side effects that um, can happen as a result of um, metformin. And B12 is used in lots of other different things. You know, it's really important for part of our liver detoxification pathway. So really important for phase two liver detox. And when we kind of go through um, the logic behind this, this is also going to be important for our androgen detoxification and clearance through the liver, which is really important for um, PCOS as well. Um, B12 is really important for our memory, which also links into its role in sort of um, 
the myelin and, and what I'd just spoken about before. It's really important for um, helping with our nervous system, helping us to regulate our moods better and have um, better tolerance to stress and um, less anxiety and these things. So it's so, so important, really important for our energy levels as well. And all of this is really multifactorial because when we have better moods and when we're feeling better within ourselves, we have more energy. It's going to be far easier to actually do the things that we need to do in order to take care of ourselves. When we're feeling depleted, low in energy, anxious, tired, it's going to be really difficult to actually um, implement the strategies that are going to do something like correct our insulin, right? So um, yeah, it's just important to be aware of this. The other thing um, with metformin, and I think is really important to understand is that we do know that there is changes to our mitochondria that happen as, as a result of taking metformin. Now, mitochondria are the little proportions of the cells um, which produce something called ATP, which is our energy production. Um, and that's why a really big symptom that often comes along with metformin is ongoing fatigue, feeling tired all the time. So, um, the other thing is that a lot of age-related conditions, chronic diseases actually start with mitochondrial dysfunction. Um, and I think this is really, really important to consider as well. There's not a lot of medications that don't have side effects. And so we need to understand that whilst we might be able to achieve a certain result with taking something like a medication, it's usually not without costs as well. And it's really important that we have informed decision-making around this. Uh, and I think a problem that I see with metformin is that we're sort of just viewing it as too much of this harmless drug that's, you know, quite safe to take. And whilst it might be, you know, safer in certain situations, say if it's used for a short period of time or if you were... Um, you know, using it for a short period of time and taking a B12 at the same time or something like that. Um, we just really need to understand that there are side effects that stem far beyond just a little bit of loose bowel movements. And I think that's kind of how it's viewed at the moment. So that's something I'm really hoping to work towards shifting and changing. And again, just to reiterate, you're not wrong if you're taking metformin. It's not the wrong thing to do. I'm not saying that. I'm just wanting you to know. Um, the other thing and probably the one of the biggest issues is that um, taking metformin and not making the required changes to your diet and lifestyle to actually improve that insulin um, is basically just ignoring the problem. So we know um, that the prescription of metformin is used to reduce insulin. And we also know that diet and lifestyle changes will change your insulin. They will change it quickly as long as you're consistent and you're sticking to it. I have seen this time and time again. I do sometimes, not always, but I do sometimes use um, nutraceutical or supplement strategies as well as the dietary foundations. But I would never jump into using supplements alone without really coaching a client through getting to make those foundational diet and lifestyle changes. Um, and that's really, really important because 
we know that it is the the environment, so diet and lifestyle being the environment that is actually causing insulin resistance. And if we are not correcting that, we are still exposed to worsening that metabolic health, worsening type 2 diabetes progression or worsening um, of progressing to something like non-alcoholic fatty liver and the complications that come with that, um, with those two things, you know, things like kidney conditions and all of that long term. So we also need to understand that, you know, it's actually not good enough to just take something like metformin. What needs to change is what's actually causing the high insulin, and that is diet and lifestyle. So that needs to change. There's no arguments about it um, because otherwise your insulin, you'll either, if nothing changes and you just take something like metformin and do nothing else, you're going to end up needing probably to take a higher dose. Um, and when we come back to those side effects and those longer-term um, consequences, um, we're obviously more at risk of those things as our dosage increases and the time that we're taking it increases as well. So important things to be aware of. And I think also depending on how you choose to perceive it, like quite empowering as well to know that you actually do have the power and control to really shift something like your insulin and I've seen it change really in a matter of weeks with my clients um, when we are implementing the right thing. And sometimes I'll get them to do um, an earlier retest as well so we can get that buy-in and they can actually see things starting to improve with all of their hard work and dedication as well. So what to do instead? If we don't want to take metformin, what do we do instead? Or if we want to take metformin, but we also want to do the lifestyle dietary changes, what are we looking at? So the first thing that we need to understand a bit about is what's actually causing the insulin. And firstly, hopefully that we've actually tested your insulin and seen how high it is. Um, so I really love to see an insulin between three and five. Um, I'm quite strict on that. Um, and that's just where I've seen clients um, sit within that optimal metabolic health range. Some reference ranges will accept much higher than that, but I really like to see the insulin between three and five. Um, so hopefully that's step one, that we're actually confirming that, uh, that, that that diagnosis has been done correctly. And then step two is kind of going, okay, well, we know insulin's high. Why? Is it dietary? Probably. Is it lifestyle? Probably. So some things that we would want to look at from a dietary perspective is um, dietary patterns. So um, how often someone is eating and also the composition of those meals. You can be eating a healthy diet and still have high insulin. I should say that again. You can be eating a healthy diet and still have high insulin. Just because you're eating healthy um, doesn't mean that you won't have problems with your insulin. So um, as, say, an example, um, something that I would see quite commonly being a, air quotes, healthy breakfast would be something like oatmeal or porridge. Um, and then maybe for lunch, it's like a salad sandwich with um, some ham or some chicken um, and then maybe for dinner, it's like a meat and three veg with some potatoes. And then maybe in the afternoon or as some snacks here and there, we've had some fruit um, and, you know, maybe a bliss ball or something like that. 
just as an example, that's just a random example. So we would look at that diet and say, that person's not eating any processed foods. That person's um, really eating what we would call a whole foods diet, which is healthy. However, that dietary approach is definitely not suitable for someone with high insulin. It's lacking in protein. The carbs are way too high. And the eating incessantly is also triggering that insulin too regularly. So, and a sign of, of sort of poor metabolic function and the fact that those meals are not built appropriately. So what we need to do instead is achieve macronutrient balance. Make sure that you're eating enough protein with every single meal and really start with breakfast. I do this with all my clients, but start with breakfast because, um, Breakfast is not the most important meal of the day. Everyone says that, but it's not. They're all important. But breakfast does really set the tone for the rest of your day. If you start your day on carbohydrates with no proteins or fats, I can nearly guarantee you that you're going to have big spikes and dips and fluctuations in your blood sugars for the rest of the day. And that's going to lead to you having cravings um, and basically turning into the snack monster at three o'clock, which is what we see all the time. So the first step in correcting your insulin is making sure that you're achieving that macro balance, making sure that you are actually eating enough protein, enough fats, and an appropriate amount of carbohydrates. And then of course, we can get into more finicky um, strategies where we're looking at meal timing and carbohydrate timing and all the rest of it. But that's really the foundation to begin with. Um, and then some other things that we look at doing, you know, in clinic, I'm always running nutrient um, panels as well to correct any micronutrient deficiencies that you might have. Um, that's really important because things like, you know, magnesium, B12, um, these all make and, and improve our, our insulin functionality. Um, and then the other thing that's super, super important is lifestyle. So, you know, things like um, drinking too much coffee or drinking too much alcohol or even the type of exercise that you're doing or even your stress levels. These are all things that can impact your insulin levels um, and your blood glucose levels. And something that I've been doing more and more in clinic with clients is getting them to do um, two weeks of CGM, so continuous glucose monitoring, and really unpacking the different patterns um, that they experience um, across the day. And what's really, really interesting is that sometimes it's not all dietary. Sometimes some of those fluctuations can be due to um, different stresses. Some clients will find that they have um, much higher blood glucose readings the days that they're at work versus the days that they are at home and maybe a little bit more relaxed, which is really, really interesting. Some clients will find that after certain types of exercise, um, they have much higher blood glucose readings for the rest of the day. So it's not all about diet, but diet is certainly the foundation. And then we start expanding. It's a little bit like peeling the layers back of the onion. We first got to make sure we know hopefully exactly what we're dealing with. And then we go, okay, great. Well, the foundation is the diet. Let's implement that. And then we start adding in and layering all these other strategies. Um, and after we've got diet and lifestyle down pat, that's where we can bring in some of our nutraceutical support. 
Um, and we can use certain nutrients or herbs to actually upregulate again the function of that um, insulin receptor um, as well to help essentially speed up the process, reduce things like cravings and all the rest of it. So basically, um, that's why I don't recommend metformin, and that's what I recommend instead. And the reason um that I also love all of these other strategies is because none of them have side effects and they all improve your long-term health. So if we can actually correct your insulin um, with something like diet, lifestyle and supplements, it's going to correct your metabolic health. It's going to reverse that um, serious risk of type 2 diabetes as well as those other metabolic complications it's going to do things like improve your energy levels improve your mental health optimize things like your b12 and your micronutrient status Um, and ultimately this is just going to lead to you feeling better we're going to improve things like your digestive function we're not going to be causing um, changes to the microbiome We're going to improve the function of your mitochondria and not um, damage them, which is going to, again, support better energy levels, reduce risk of chronic disease. So really, all signs are in the positive for correcting things at the root cause. Who knew? Um, And whilst metformin might be suitable and might work for some people, we need to understand that there are some negative effects of using something like that. So there you have it. If you have any questions or concerns, I'd love if you could come over onto Instagram and have a bit of a chat with me. You'll also see in the show notes that there is links to a PCOS quiz. So if you haven't taken that before, I do recommend jumping in and taking that. It's super, super short and it will give you a bit more of an idea around what are um, the possibilities around what could be driving your PCOS and off the back of that you'll get a little email with a really cool um, PDF I think it's really cool but I am a bit of a geek Um, and it will give you a summary of the different blood tests or the baseline blood tests that I like to get when I'm working with a client with PCOS um, and what that tells us so it will also give you optimal reference ranges and things like that so it's a great informative little handout um and you can find that in the show notes or over on the website that's it from me today and i will chat to you so soon thank you for listening to this episode of holistic health chats if you enjoyed this episode i would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in itunes as this allows me to help more women just like you Holistic Health Chats is not intended to replace medical advice, so please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health. If you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support, the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat. Please head to selendouglas.com forward slash book for more information.